In 2021, Talk About It Outdoors partnered with an industry-leading brand that has stamped its name on the outdoor industry. Cruiser Saddles in itself stands on perfection, and with every climb we make, we elevate ourselves above the rest. In addition to a support to our hunting journey, the men and women behind Cruiser believe in the same principles of life as us. Faith, family, and the blessings of being better as they go in every sit. If your desire to pursue your passions one step ahead of the rest, go ahead and get in the best. Check them out on all the socials or head over to their website at www.cruiser.com. That's C-R-U-Z-R.com. And tell them to talk about it outdoors, boys, and Chasing Weekends sent you their way. The journey of life has a unique way of being able to create tried and true friendships as we go. In forming those relationships, oftentimes good things come to follow. Talk About It Outdoors is proudly supported by Cal Hardy of Arrowhead Land Company. Cal is the leading broker over Georgia and is happy to assist you with finding the place where you can call home. With vast knowledge and an understanding of the ever-evolving real estate market and a unique old-school approach to everything he does, he exemplifies what it means to treat others like you'd want to be treated. Don't settle for being just another number in a phone. Choose Cal Hardy for all your land, home, and commercial real estate needs and become a part of his family. We sure are blessed to have him as a part of ours. Find him on Facebook, Instagram, or give him a call at 770-296-2163. Step back to the times when a feed store was more than just that, and the people inside smiled with friendly faces and provided a place for a talk on life, as well as all your essential farm, livestock, and pet needs. Cherokee Feed the Seed located in Ball Ground, Georgia, with an additional location in Gainesville, are the hometown supplier of all your cattle, equine, and pet needs, with the added addition of being able to keep your deer herd healthy with protein and minerals. They also carry an assortment of hunting blinds and gear, and you can rest easy knowing the people that support local ball clubs and children's sports are who your hard-earned money is going to. The people here greet you with a handshake and a smile, and Cherokee Feed and Seed give more than just a product. They give you a welcome that'll make you return time and time again. Stop in next time you're in the area and tell them you're part of the Talk About It Outdoors family. A few years back, when an overbearing and overgrown backyard became an eyesore, I looked for a solution to resolve. LRS Land Services created a stunning and complete transformation turnkey at an affordable price with their mulching services. Not limited to mulching, LRS can provide turnkey grading and clearing, maintenance, right-of-way clearing, and even development for any and all forestry needs. With an innovative outlook on what is best for your land and a completely different approach than others, LRS can transform your overgrown eyesore into a beautiful landscape of your dreams. Give them a call at 404-889-1105 or check their work out on Facebook at LRS Land Services. Logan and his team are ready to make your land brand new again. Building the foundation of your life starts at the base, and the stronger it is, the better. 
Talk About It Outdoors is proud of our strong partnership with United Concrete and Paving and the foundation of support they provide. Whether your new home being built needs concrete work or that driveway you're tired of beating all the bearings from your pickup needs a paving, Michael and his team can provide any residential or commercial project support you might need from the ground up. If you're tired of tripping over that unsettled patio slab or a future shop build needs a smooth start, United Concrete and Paving can get you going when you need it most. Give them a call at 404-831-3036 and make sure you tell them them TAI boys are where you heard it first. You ready, Nick? Let's do it. All right, everybody, talk about it outdoors live in the Cruiser Saddle Studio once again. Nicholas Wilson, Alex DeBoard, Cody Watson, and Mr. Travis Dawkins is here to tell us all about how he gets around Alatoona Lake on paddleboard. He's strapped up and ready to go, and we're ready to hear all about it. Y'all pull up a chair and sit a while. Nick, this is going to be a good one. I don't miss if you pot roast giving you mississippi mud butt over there <laughs> 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 it might tomorrow oh right off the rip he- i don't like to give you too many compliments but that was pretty good was it good i would imagine jessica probably put that together she didn't i put everything together and she- you said you put it on the counter i, I, I put everything but the oh. meat on the counter i put i did the meat when i but got she home. put it in there she put everything but the meat in the pot mm-hmm Oh, I bought everything. Well, Let me no. tell you what the the key thing to that I think is is something I've learned. Those pepperoncinis with the juice, but go a little easier on the slappy mama sauce for for Travis and Cody. <laughs> Cody's over. Hell, Caden couldn't even eat it. I he waited till I got up and poured his whole bowl in the trash. Did he? <laughs> <laughs> he could pick around and get a sausage or two. That's about the only thing he got worth it. Pretty, pretty hot. It was delicious. It was very good. Slappy mama seasoning. Might be some seasoning coming to talk about it outdoors real soon that we can use on a little wild game meal. What is it? Boy, he's got a party in the back, ain't he? <laughs> no, he, he's got a concert in the back. <laughs> he he's, he's beyond yeah. He's beyond a party. He's got a whole full-blown Kid Rock concert in the back. <laughs> Good Lord, son. I've been begging him to cut it. I wish mine I mean, you can't that at that long. You can't at this point. You yeah, gotta, at this point, you've got to let it you go. you got to keep going. I mean, are you going to try to do the um, Locks for Loves? You don't even know what that if is. He don't go from, if, he, if he don't go as Marty Stewart for Halloween next year, it's going to be a, it's a sad mess. And with a white button-up shirt three-quarter way down. You got any hair on your chest, Caden? I, I want to see those sides completely skint on the sides of that head for turkey season. And that thing just running out through there. Get one. Joey to put turkey tracks in there. Oh, you. yes. <laughs> Do that. That would be awesome. Well, uh, we're having a fun night in the studio. We've got a got a special guest in-house with us tonight. It's a, a two-timer here. Part two. Yeah, kind of a part two to our Michael Perry episode. Yeah, you left us hanging on the last one. I didn't leave you hanging. I just had to get you to shut up so we had something to actually talk about. <laughs> That's the pot calling the kettle black. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy. I, I was quiet. You were. For the most part. I did bring up turkey hunting, though. You yeah, have. You've been blowing the fire out of that two reed. You've turned over a new leaf. Nope. That should no, be the name I'm, of that call, New Leaf. No, this is the Mr. 130 special. It's written on the bag. It's the no, no back tension, double read, Mr. 130. No cut in it. No cut. I don't like him cuts. 
Well, you ain't got to have them. No. Good thing about it. How many did we go through to get to that? A dozen? Probably, yeah, probably. That's what I told Cody, probably 10 or 12. <clears throat> but that was the only one that I could really. What'd you do with those other? Throw them in the trash? We threw them. All... No, no. The other ones you gave me are in my truck. I've just not played them. I don't want to get mm-hmm. slobbering snuff all in them practicing. Mm-hmm. I bet there's more. I bet there's a can of Longhorn in the reeds of that thing. Yeah. Look. Look <clears> on the back side there. You gonna try to? You, How does somebody that dips snuff clean that? Is that a, there's a they tip. don't? You don't clean them out. No. What about your teeth? You don't clean them out either. I brush them every night, but I can't brush this. <laughs> How do I brush this? You got you got to stick a toothpick in there and keep it. Okay. Well, there you go. There's a tip. Instead of being can, a, um, a jack leg, give me a little bit of a tip. You, know, you heard, if you've ever wanted to learn how to turkey call, don't go see Nick because all he's going to tell you to do is huff like you're blowing on the glass. That ain't worth a damn. That sounds like crap. <laughs> throw that away. Just throw that away. He or laugh at you. Thanks, Coach. You can put it in listerine. Okay. Some people do that. Yeah, some people do that. I figured that for boy. the for the smell or for the taste. Um, I, I don't think it'll keep it loose. Out. I think you got to put you got to put a toothpick or something. What I use is those you know those ends of a uh, picker on a flosser. I break those off and stick them in the in between all the reeds. Yeah. Uh-uh. What happens if you poke a hole in that? Probably if it's just a small hole, you probably wouldn't notice a difference. Really? Yeah. You'd have to do something. Though. Yeah, but that stuff that sounds pretty tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean, it you is. Can, you can take the. Uh, you can take it and squeeze it through the center of it with those pickers, and it's it's pretty hard to poke a hole through it. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, as turkey season is gearing up uh, for the discussion <laughs> of it, I don't poke a hole through my call. We RP Scritchfield Scritchfield knife spur knife. He got it in stock finally. He's been waiting on it, whining about it. I had it sitting in the gator mouth here for him. RP, he he didn't give me no money for it. I'm saying it on air. So if he if, already talked to RP. Oh, good. That, there you go. That episode with Michael, I thought was really good. I thought it was, you know, it was just it was good for the listeners around here. And you know, we talked before we had him on, and we talked in Alabama about him, talking about getting him on, and we tried to get him on a little earlier season, and it just ended up working out late season. And then I knew Travis had some questions that he wanted to bring a lot just because you know travis is still a new hunter in in some ways and we all are we're all trying to learn different things and i knew by having travis come over to be in that i thought it was really good and i hope somebody took something out of it they can carry on for these mountain deer well i think that's going to be something we can do uh with travis here is kind of ask some of those questions Mm -hmm. and maybe it spawns some conversation around uh well around us and around some of our listeners that's right so um what was I going to say? I had something smart mouth I was going well, to say don't, you. you don't need to say it. I forgot it. Anyway. Sticks and stones. <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. As, as hard as you've been on me this no. year season, you've been terrible. There's, the listeners have spoken. <clears throat> so, Travis, when did you get started? <laughs> <laughs> me and you just sat over here bicker back and forth. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Cody. When did you get started hunting? Um, I, I didn't know you was a late onset Spit hunter. it out. Yeah, yeah. Shut your so, face. I, from here, Cherokee County, and, you know, growing up, played football, and I went with my grandpa when I was young, you know, ninth grade, and killed my first deer, and I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. They they put me in the ladder stand, and deer came by. Five minutes later, I had a doe down, and I was like, oh, okay, this is pretty easy. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> like, Little did you know. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, I, I, you know, got into football and didn't really – do much hunting after that and then went to college went to georgia southern started partying and i was like okay like this is pretty cool and and didn't really know until after college how much i love the outdoors and you know when you play football 
and baseball your whole life and then you know it's just gone you got to replace it with something so you know after college you're like okay i'm back home like what am i gonna do um so i started getting into kayaking and rock climbing and all the outdoor stuff and then it wasn't until i was about 25 that i got back into hunting and i had no no clue what i was doing you know youtube was just starting to be a thing and i was like what what do i do i got all these guns my grandpa gave me and um you know i lucked up and my wife was from um a town in you know southwest like as far west as you can get in north carolina and we we got a little cabin up there and so i started going by myself and it took five years for me to get my first buck and it was probably a a 130 and it was like all right i'm hooked like how do i repeat this and then i started watching everything i could possibly watch you know that's you can see i got the hunting public i listen to you guys i listen to southern outdoorsmen every other podcast i can get my hands on so it's been a a five-year process from when i killed that real good one in 2017 to now where i feel like i'm a much better hunter now but i've got like every year i'm like god i got so much more to learn like especially that mountain hunting i've I just picked a saddle and I feel like I got lucky one day. I got a, uh, I had a buck chasing a doe, like hot on her tail. And, and ever since that day I was hooked, that's how, that's how I got started. And that's kind of what lit the fire. Yeah. Before you go into much about deer hunting, we get into questions and stuff. Talk a little bit about the kayak fishing. I know that's something that you're pretty in-depthly involved with and, and been pretty successful with it from what I understand. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I've, Say I, I probably kayak fish more than I hunt. Uh, okay. You know, it, I don't really get excited about hunting until like the end of October because we, we've got tournaments that run from you know March till the end of October. So I'm about to switch gears here. I'll, I'll turkey hunt for a little bit, and, you know, when I can um, in March and April, and then you know I got tournaments like the Bass Bass Master Classic is uh, at the end of March here, and I'm in that uh, the Bass Master Classic kayak division. Um, so that'll be my first one of the year. And then, um, then I'll kind of just see, see which trail, um, I want to fish this year, but I've had some, some good success in, in some national trails, but you know, I'm still, I'm still learning on that front too. Now, a lot of people think of kayak and they think just a, a, a long plastic tube with nothing else on it. And these kayaks that you guys are fishing out of are not just a plain Jane, you buy at Walmart kayak. Right. So are you using electronics? Yes. Are you using a trolling motor? If it's allowed, and I, I don't like trolling motors. I, I like human-powered stuff. Okay. You'll find that out. I, I like to make it as hard as humanly possible. I don't know why. But <laughs> I don't I, – I somehow feel like it's cheating if you have a, a trolling motor, but – you know, a lot of the major trails do allow trolling motors now. Foot powered or, or paddling? Yeah, that's that's the one. Uh, last year, I got a Hobie foot power okay. um, foot pedal, and it's you know it's got little flippers on the bottom, and you can cruise along at about three four miles an hour. It's moving pretty good. Yeah, it is. Uh, in, a, in a kayak, it's probably faster than I would paddle. Travis is pretty pretty good in shape. He's not <laughs> he's not quite like us or, can, or me. I'll speak for myself. Be out of breath pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, speak for yourself. 
<laughs> Little boy. <laughs> Four bowls. Do y'all have any pontoon size kayaks that Nick could use? <laughs> they they hold out a whole out a pontoon boat and get in there. You might need the Jackson Big Rig. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. The Jackson Big Rig. <laughs> I'm looking at right a four hundred pound weight limit there. Oh, well, you could get a battery in there with you, Nick. Maybe you maybe hurt my feeling boy. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> now I could use the you got the Jackson Big Rig and I'm in the the slimline model they'll the probably the smallest one they make so does these kayak does these kayak trails do they kind of fall on some of the same lakes and ri- and rivers and reservoirs as the um big tournament guys do or oh yeah oh yeah you'll okay. you'll see some kayak some kayakers in some major um televised events cutting off some other folks or kayakers to say the big you know, the Jacob Wheelers are cutting them off. So, right. <laughs> so there's there's been some confrontations between you know big boaters and we call them glitter rockets and and kayakers. <laughs> glitter rockets. So, have you ever heard of a concrete canoe race? No. Have you ever heard of that? No. Uh, maybe it's something we've never talked about on here. It's a late night wormhole. No. <laughs> well, it, it was after the fact. So Joey MacArthur and me went to what's the lake. Uh, it's on the Alabama River chain, Chickamauga. We went to yep. Chickamauga, pulled up one day, and there is a thousand people at this boat ramp, but there's no boats. And we're like, what are they doing? So we pull up, and a guy's standing there, and he's like, hey, you know, what? where where do you need to park? And he's like, we're going fishing. He's like, oh, gotcha, sorry. And I'm like, we're going to play golf. You know, we got a boat behind us, whatever. I didn't say anything. I kept my mouth shut. But we we pull up, and I said, what are, what are y'all doing and you know me, inquisitive mind's going to ask. And the lady said, a concrete canoe race. And I thought, <laughs> oh, I got to be the stupidest son of a gun alive to believe this. But I'll bite. What's a concrete canoe? She said, these kids literally take concrete and they build a frame. And they make them as light as possible to see how far they can go. And they build them out of, it's high test or high tension uh, concrete like you'd put on a wall. And they put them in the lake and they float and they race them. Hmm. Really? Yeah, hundred percent. So we go fishing, and we come back to. They had all kinds of snacks and stuff there, and everything. And there's three concrete canoes on the bottom of the lake out there. Never even got off the boat ramp. There's all kinds of people around. Then they they literally go out in this little cove, and they had it blocked off so they could race. I guess back and forth because apparently paddling a concrete canoes, what you know, it pretty hard to do. And I guess building it's no less. But anyway. Sorry, rabbit hole. Concrete canoe racing is a thing, if you ever wondered. All I could think about when you were talking about that was that guy on that advertisement that puts that screen door. In the on bottom, bottom, bottom oh, Billy boat. Mays. Yeah. Lake Seal. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You can even put it here. <laughs> yeah. So, Travis, when you guys go on these things, I guess it's a points thing, and I guess it's pretty pretty decent money, correct? Oh, yeah. The the biggest one of the year, first place gets $45,000. Oh, Wow. So I mean we're we're up we're not quite quite there like where the big boats are but you can make some good money. Now you run sponsorships. I mean you've been a sponsored boat from your company, haven't you before? Yeah, I mean that's just because I I got a little pull with my company, but right. yeah, they're you know they've offered to to pay for a few entry fees and give me some swag and you know get me a jersey or two and. um you know, it helps me to build build relationships with people in the outdoor community and things like that. So. Now that now that high schools are getting into bass fishing, is is kayak fishing starting to be pop, popular because of the cost of it being so much less for high schools? 
Yeah, that's that's one of the big things, you know, the national trails are trying to target is that, you know, they've got college trails now and they're trying to make it into high schools where it's a big thing because of the cost, because you got to have somebody to drive you. Mm -hmm. You got to have, you know, fifty thousand dollars for a bass boat. I mean, in the electronics these days are, you know, you can spend more on electronics than the boat. So, I mean, I, I have a big boat, not a bass boat, but like a center console that I could fish out of. And I prefer kayak fishing just because, I mean, it's so fun. Now, the the kayak trails, did, do you fish reservoirs or, or do you have little small trails that fish reservoirs? And if you're a kayak fisherman, can you fish in the same trails as the electric boat guys? No, but I have, uh, there, there's a podcast, North Georgia, mm-hmm. um, I can't remember the name of there. Fish North, North Georgia. Go fish. Yeah, fish North yeah, Georgia. That's I, it. I've I've been on it before, and I, and we did ask that question. Like, hey, would you do a trail mix between kayak fishing and and John boat fishing? As long as they both allow trolling motors. The thing is, they like to have live wells, and we don't have live wells. We just we just have a board, and we measure the fish on the board, and it's an approved measuring device, <clears throat> and we just take a picture and submit it on an app. And then you add your top five fish to get to your to your five link, five fish total. You take a picture of it. Take a picture of okay. it. The app adds it up, and it'll it'll put a GPS location on it so that the tournament director knows where you caught the fish that you weren't in. You know, grandma's Another, pond okay. catching you know your pet bass, and so you take your five best fish for, throughout the day, submit it, you get your your total score. And some of these are multi day events. So do you feel like you're at a disadvantage being in that kayak over a, a bigger boat or is it pretty, that's the, I guess the luster of it is the challenge aspect of it. No, I, I don't think I'm at a disadvantage at all. I mean, it's just a different style in, in a bass boat. You can zip from one side of the lake to the other. Yeah. You ain't crossing Lanier in July. Yeah. In that, in that I, mean, I mean, you might, maybe, maybe I've done it, but it's not smart. <laughs> have you tried, have you tried to take the kayak and go um, offshore fishing with it? Like oh some? yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not great at it. You know, my specialty is getting up a a creek as far as I can get, where you know other people don't like to go. And it's kind of like like I like to like I like to hunt. I like to go as far as I can where I don't think anybody else is going to go, so I can have you know some fish to myself. I don't like to see other kayakers, um, but you know if they if that's where they are, if they're all offshore, then you got to go go there during the tournament. So. Yeah. Is it like hockey, like when a blast off, you're hitting each other with your paddles? Just it, <laughs> I have been in a few like that. Really? Yeah. Yeah. There's, you know, there's there's certain spots on a on certain lakes, like the Coosa River chain, um, where, you know, everybody knows there's going to be good fish right here down down this river. But only five people are, are going to be willing to get in that race to get there. Mm-hmm. So. So yeah, one tournament. Um, I think I got six in in one of the Hobie Bass Opens, and I was right next to the guy who won eight thousand dollars. Oh wow! And me and him, five miles down this river, we're just paddling as fast as we could. I beat him down there, but that was his home turf. He knew where they were. Okay, so you so, probably went past it, or well, I stopped and I started fishing, and he just kept going, going about three more miles, and he ended up killing it. God Almighty! Eight thousand dollars. How many people are usually in these? Enter these tournaments. Well, the the Hobie Bass Opens max out at two hundred anglers, and they sold out every tournament last year. Wow! Good oh, God. God! How much the entry fee? Uh, 
I think it's around three hundred dollars. Good lord! And that so yeah, one could, day or two day tournament? Two day tournaments okay. for for three hundred, and you know it's a eight to ten thousand dollar first prize. And you have a cutoff for day two. You have to have so many pounds, or no, no, no. So like your your length, you you do your total length. So like a hundred inches of bass, twenty inch average. That you know a twenty inch fish is like a five pounder. So, so you're not weighing each fish. You're only not, measuring them. No, we're not weighing them. Okay, I missed that earlier. Yeah, so, but a 20-inch fish is is usually about a, a five-pounder. So you get some long, skinny spots. That's what you you're do. looking you for. You want right? the long, skinny ones. Now, are you? did you tell me you're taking pictures of those also and marking the point? Yeah, so that. you get an app. It's called Tourney X, and, and you get your approved. It's called a catch board, but it's just a metal, and they measure in quarter-inch increments. And if you got an eighteen inch fish, you put it on the board, make sure the mouth is closed and touching the 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 end of the board. You take a picture of her head and you you submit it to the app and the app counts your eighteen points right there. Okay. And then it it's also got a GPS location attached to that that picture. Okay. And then you gotta go catch four more. And what's cool is it'll auto cull for you. So you catch ten fish, it'll take your top five and you don't have to you don't have to call them. It'll just add them up for you. So is it a live leaderboard? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Oh, now, yeah. do you think that's the same path that FLW and, and Bassmasters are going to go with, too? Well, they what? are in some lakes. Are they? Yeah, out in Texas, you get a lot of those lakes out there, Trophy Bass Lakes, um, yep. Lake Fork. Lake um, Fork. Yeah, they're big one. They don't. They measure them live. Then they they will take and weigh them and and or yeah. if they don't, even if they don't have a judge on the boat, FLW does it way more than BASS does. Okay, um, but you do have tournaments out there that they do it with. Can okay. you see the live leaderboard as an angler? Yeah, but I don't like to look at it. Yeah, no, I was curious. <laughs> I don't blame I, you. I, I'm curious that if they had like back at the, I'm sure they have like a weigh-in station kind of well, like a. No, I don't guess you're weighing in fish, but like they have like a podium and yeah, stuff. like a measure in. But we still call it a weigh in. Yeah, weigh in. Yeah, I wonder if they have like a live. That'd be cool if they had like a live leaderboard there where people standing around could watch. That'd be pretty neat. Mm-hmm. I would- oh, Dawkins just takes the lead. He caught a twenty-one incher. <laughs> hey, Dawkins in the lead. Oh, Wilson's got him on the backside. He got a twenty-two incher. <laughs> Only a half inch separates them on fishing and in life. <laughs> do, you, do you um? How many rods? And what's your setup on there? That's a good question. That is good. It, it depends on if you're if you're going creek fishing or if you're going open water. So you know, if I'm in a creek and I know where there's some fish and I know nobody's going to be bothering me, I'll take three, four rods. Um, if I'm going out, you know, out deep, I don't know what they're going to be biting. I might have eight rods. Mm-hmm. So and it, wow. you know, I got a I got a creek boat and I got a Hobie for open water. Okay pretty comfortable seat on there you're not sitting in the bottom in the water oh, are you yeah the, the hobie both of those the jacks i got a jackson coosa is my river boat and a hobie outback is is my my other boat so both of them are like cadillacs like the seat you can sit in them all day do you can you stand up in those oh, comfortably yeah. and fish oh, too yeah. i can stand up in them going down the rapids like like in canton you know the etowah river flowing through canton um there's there's some pretty good rapids going going down through ball ground and going through um going through Canton and you can stand up going down rapids in those things. Okay. Hmm. Pretty neat. Now do you does your rod hold does your fishing rod holders or I guess you're holding straight up as you're going down the lake or do you lay them down? How do you That's another great question. <laughs> so if you're out in open water, you can have them 
straight up and down. But, you know, if you're on a river and you're floating under branches and stuff, you want them kind of laid laid back at 45 degrees or kind of laid flat on the deck is, is the best. But you can't take too many rods that way. So you yeah. got to kind of weigh your options. And I guess this is probably a crazy question. It may not be a crazy question, but with the rod sticking up like that, does it slow you down if you're trying to hurry up and beat someone to a certain spot? No wind sail. <laughs> no, it can you put it? Can you put a sail on that boat too? Yeah, the like only time the wind foot. really, really affects you is like if I'm standing up, the wind will push against my. That's body. what you were asking. Yeah, was yeah, it giving yeah. you drag? Yeah, yeah, yeah drag. Yeah, yeah. Are you the, smart, Alex. The rods, the rods, not so much. I'll bit into that. I knew what you was asking. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, wind is a huge factor. It'll blow you around a lot more than if you got a bass boat. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so electronic wise uh, and you're running your batteries what kind of battery are you running like a really lightweight oh yeah lithium ion battery uh lithium ion phosphate so okay. you know life po four i think is what they call it but um yeah you want a super light battery because you know the heavier your your setup is the harder it is to drag it how to much the water. does your setup weigh you know the light one it weighs less than 100 pounds the hobie probably weighs 150 Okay. Um, and then you got all your gear, your tackle and your, your rods. And, you know, if you can take coffee or water, like you can make it real heavy, but yeah. once the Hobie's in the water, it's, it's solid. It doesn't really matter how much weight you got on it. That thing, that thing will go. You ever done any like upriver striper fishing out of it? Or do you just primarily target bass? Um, I can't give any secrets away, but there's a there's a river in Atlanta that's got some really good striper. Uh, there's probably three or four that's got yeah got there good is. ones. And but do you do any striper yeah. fishing out of it? Yeah, I bet so that's fun as crap. That's uh maybe ten ten twelve years ago when I when I first really got into it, I was using a whitewater boat and I was going up the river in Atlanta. So you can look it up, but I caught a I caught a striper maybe 20, 25 pounds, and I was like, oh, man, this is fun. Well, even in the Etowah, the Etowah's got great striper fishing. I mean, oh, we yeah. used to come out of Blockhouse down there and, and, and fish like crazy for them. But you get in those backwaters, a lot of people don't realize just how many fish are in those little small tri- tributaries oh, yeah. and stuff that feed in. And with river fishing, the, which is what I like, they're all, they're all going to be stacked up in an eddy where there's a, you know, like we were talking about earlier with deer, if you find a great big buck, it's there for mm-hmm. a reason. And with fish, you can catch a fish right there, and there's some. There's going to be another one right behind it. This oh, that's a good eddy. Like I can sit here and watch watch looking stuff for flow current. By. Yeah, they're just that's a meal train coming right by. They're in the fast current. They're just sitting in that little calm eddy, mm-hmm. waiting on that food to come by. Only artificial bait. When yeah, in tournaments. Well, I know yeah. in tournaments, yeah. but do you generally find yourself only using artificial, or are you opposed to? I'm not opposed to having fun with some live bait. <laughs> I hear I mean, you. That's what I like to hear. Yeah. He ain't Especially just a, if you're he's a fisherman. Fishing. He ain't an angler. <laughs> yeah, walleye, if you can find walleye, I love taste of walleye. Any lakes around here that you target walleye in? I mean, there's some in Lanier, but you got to yeah. you gotta go in certain times, and you got to know when they're spawning. Um, Only walleye. Well, I caught one on Blue Ridge and kept it, and I caught one on Lanier first walleye i'd ever caught and went to reach down to get it in a night tournament we were fishing brock turner he was do not grab that fish by the he i caught it on spinnerbait he said do not lift i was gonna lip it i didn't know he said don't lip that he said you ain't gonna have no finger left you do (laughs) that thing's gonna chew you up so best eating fish in your opinion freshwater or saltwater freshwater i mean it's got to be a walleye yeah i agree they're amazing fried wall i mean i'd put it up there with saltwater fish 
I like my favorite scrappy just because it's a little thinner. You catch some big walleye, they're a little thicker. You got to trim them down, you know, slice through a fillet. But that walleye is as, as good a fish. Flaky white fish as I've ever eaten. Oh, yeah. Fried? Well, you like Nick. Anything that don't eat me. <laughs> <laughs> now, saltwater fishing, Nick asked you about offshore. How far have you been from the beach? Uh, in the kayak, you know, not far. I'm I'm not going to go... I, I kind of get a little scared when the water starts turning blue, but you can catch king mackerel right off the beach. Um, there's pompano, and uh, you ever hung any like big reds or anything that drag you around? Man, red fishing is is something I can't figure out. But I, you know, every time I go down to Florida, it's on, it's in July and it's yeah. not a good month. Yeah. So I've heard you need to go down there in May and October. Unbelievable in May. That was yeah. when, that's when we caught all pompano, especially during their run. Mm-hmm. That's the, and I've never done it in a kayak because I'm not getting my butt out there. But people don't realize just how far you've got to go offshore to really, especially in the Gulf, to really get in deep water. When you go six yeah. miles, you're six, you know, you six feet deep. And you got ditches and stuff. But you go another, like we used to fish out of Homosassa down there. We'd be 60 miles and we'd be. 60 feet 70 feet deep and it yeah. blowed my mind because now when you get to a certain point that edge it drops way off but yeah there's certain like in Destin it, you can get you can get deep pretty quick um but there's certain parts of the gulf that like you said is is shallow for 100 miles yeah yeah but well uh when you one question on that going out in the ocean do, when you try to go out there do you stay around the piers like generally right off of them no, I, I usually try to stay pretty close to the family because uh, I, you know, I got I got three young girls. So no, I mean, like when you're fishing out there around it, do you try to when you do go fishing out in the ocean, do you try to get close to the guys on the pier? Because I saw a bunch of boats last year just fishing right off, and I don't know if it was this, all the bait coming in from the fish. No, I, where we go, we the, the pier is kind of in Fort Walton, and we're on the other side of the jetties in Destin. Okay, uh, but there are some artificial reefs out there that. You know, I've I've gone spear fishing down there and seen just giant schools. Uh, you know, huge tarpon. Yeah, I've tried every hobby you can think of. <laughs> you I ain't doing that. You don't go spear fishing? No, I'll I'll sink right to the bottom. <laughs> I, I, not me. Well, tell us about that. Uh, well, man, you're gonna get me into a long story. That's fine. Go tell one. But, you know, I live. We're in story time now, Travis. Okay. We're not in education okay. time. We want to learn about you a little bit. <laughs> All right. So, you know, I I got a I got a bug for uh, diving um, when I lived on the Chattahoochee, and I was telling you about uh, when I started kayak fishing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, after I met my wife, we we got a place right there on the Chattahoochee near uh, there's some apartments right there below the 285 bridge, um, and below that there's some townhomes, and we lived in the townhomes. So. I'd go down there and I'd go diving um, and I'd find, you know, GoPros and watches and rings and like gold tennis bracelets and all, what? So- all sorts of stuff. Yeah, there's some guys on YouTube that that have made it famous. But I was down there just just having fun, like because I'd go down the river three, four times a week and take my paddleboard down there and paddleboard the other side of the river and dive down where all these people were jumping off rocks and dropping stuff in the water. Probably so, thousands of pairs of sunglasses. Um, more than you can count and and i've got you know 12 eye watches at the house that i've had for six years so you know that got me interested in the dive and then i you know i'd go down to destin every year with the family and i had a kayak and i was like i saw a spear in a, in a shop one day and i'm like i'm gonna try that like i've already got the goggle and I'm, i got the fin so 
So I did that. I speared a cobia um, the first year, and th- this is um, two years ago. Yeah. And then we went back, and I didn't get I didn't get anything last year. Um, but I'd love to go on a guided, you know, spear spear hunting trip. Like you seen the Mediator uh, podcast? Yeah. He's he's getting real big in a spear fishing up over in um, Hawaii. But hey, man. sharks in them waters. Yeah, that's the one thing yeah. I don't like. God, those guys and those guys spearfish around the oil rigs. I've seen them go out and and get around them. Yeah, this you've got to watch for everything else around you, much less yeah. what you're trying to kill. Mm-hmm. And you really need a partner. Yeah, watch you looking out for you the whole way because you can black out and and drown. So I've kind of gotten away from it, but it, it's I something. wonder why. <laughs> how, how deep were you going doing this in the ocean? Um, fifteen fifteen feet or so. Because no air tank, nothing. No. No, you gotta you gotta have a partner to watch you with that stuff. It, it mm-hmm. can get real dangerous. Now, when you're going in the Chattahoochee, that Chattahoochee is not too deep. Yeah, I mean, where you were at, where I was is you know twelve, fifteen foot. Um, you know, deepest parts probably twenty foot. But could you see well down there? I mean, yeah. The, so the water comes out of the the dam at Lanier, and if it hadn't rained in a while, you know, it can it's super clear. You okay. can see twenty feet. Um, you know, and everybody's come down in their tubes and they've got coolers full of beer and, you know, they're like, I'm gonna go jump off that rock. So you, you just watch him. The guy jumps off with a watch, he swims, swims away, gets up. He doesn't have his watch on anymore. So I'm like, <laughs> there's, there's a watch down I there. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> so what you're saying is the style of diving you're doing would not be for a smoker. I, I don't know. It's, it took a, that water's cold. <laughs> And you I got, was going to ask if you wore you a bodysuit. I I didn't for the longest time. Then I got a yes. then I got a, a scuba suit. I yeah. got a a, a wetsuit like a five millimeter after a while. But yeah, you got it. cold in the hooch. You got to yeah. do breathing techniques. Oh yeah, I'm gonna, that's what I was going to say real quick. You talking about a smoker? I know you talking about me. But uh, <laughs> we went snorkeling in Jamaica, and I'm out freaking hyperventilating, <laughs> yeah. just learning to breathe through that snorkeling stuff. It freaks you out. It's, it, yeah. it take, it's a lot of mind control. It took me probably 15 minutes to finally like calm Stick down. Stick his head under the water. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing it no You're more. not even in the water yet. <laughs> calm down. It, it, it wasn't even like hyperventilating. It was just like you can tell that you're breathing so deep. And now I know why divers, when they first start going to dive with scuba tanks, they're supposed to have like an hour worth of oxygen and they end up mm-hmm. burning it up in like 20 minutes because they're like breathing so deep. And yeah. they're not controlling their breathing. Some people can make those tanks less than an hour and a half. Yeah. You know? And with free diving, the, the trick is just to be as calm as possible. Don't use a lot of your muscles. Just nope, kind of out. Just kind of sink to yeah. the bottom and sit there and just try to lay on the bottom like a fish. Mm, I couldn't do it. That calm thing would get me. I'd get down there and be fidgeting. Yeah, you ain't real calm. <laughs> you can learn anything on YouTube. Yeah, I'm sure you can. <laughs> I do think all that stuff's pretty fascinating. And it's amazing. It's amazing to know that you, not even doing that, took it upon yourself to go and do it, which really ultimately led you back into hunting in the style you did. Because you said early on, your first look in hunting was going and getting put in a stand. A deer comes by, mm-hmm. and there's probably been more hunters ruined with that mentality, just like with the baiting thing. You, there's no challenge in it. They don't want to mm-hmm. do it anymore. My brother killed a deer first time he went out, and he had no challenge to it, and he doesn't hunt anymore. He has no drive for it, so it didn't make him want anything. So yeah, take us into when you first got back into hunting. Um, you were going by yourself because you, you didn't have anyone at that time to really kind of spawn off of, did you? Well, my, my grandpa um, 
he's the one that took me and, and we went over to my, my, his brother's house and they put me in the ladder stand and, um, well, I'm talking about when you got back into it after football oh, oh, and oh, after college and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, well, you know, I saw, I wanted to go, um, but he, you know, he got up in age right. and he couldn't, couldn't really take me anymore. And, you know, my dad's one of those that got ruined like that where, you know, he went and he, he saw the buck die right in front of him. He's like, I, I don't like this feeling like, yeah. I, so I just, I just had to go by myself. Thankfully, yeah. you know, my my wife's dad he hunts okay. up there in North Carolina, but he's just like a good old boy. He's like, all right, I feel like hunting today. Like, or if he's out working in the yard, he'll have his rifle with him, and he'll be like, oh, there's a buck. <laughs> <laughs> like r- r- a r- good hunter, good yeah. good hunter. There, that's yeah. the kind of guy I like to be around. He's got his rifle with him all the time with his tractor. So, but I, that's when I just started. I started going and I was like, well, I got this rifle and like, I'm up here for a whole week during Thanksgiving and it's the rut. So I'm going to go see if I can figure some stuff out. Right. So, but YouTube is really what, what helped me. Who did you kind of admire your style of hunting after or emulate? Um, well, this is, you know, meat eater was awesome. Right. Like, you know, their first few seasons and, but a right lot when Ranella was really teaching. Yeah. And that, that was kind of out West, but you know, he had a few, um, he had a few whitetail stories yeah. and I was like, man, that's pretty cool. Um, but then, you know, now I, I watch all the, all the hunting public stuff, but like, I'm not going to go stalk a deer or anything. I just, right. it's super entertaining. Um, but I'll watch the Dan and stuff and I'll watch, um, you know, Midwest whitetails and, and all that. So you're learning in a different kind of way than a lot of people that we've had on the show. I mean, most of the people we've talked yeah. to have had, Either someone teach them or they've went out and you're really taking this whole YouTube thing and using it to your advantage in ways that I don't think we've seen, you know, really no. before. I mean, that's pretty, it's pretty neat to see. Yeah. And I, you know, probably learned some bad habits from it too, though. Right. Uh, you know, I, it's not specific to where the Southeast, where I'm hunting. So I guess, you know, more recently, the last couple of years, what I've, what I've really, where, where I think I've grown as a hunter is listening to the Southeast specific podcast. Podcast. And, you know, if we had more, more like y'all, like specific to Georgia, um, you know, I'd, I'd probably listen to all the, if there's any North Georgia mountain, I'd, I'd listen to that one, you know? And I don't think we even talk as much about hunting in Georgia as, as we talk about the Midwest, because we are I mean, we're prone to want to hunt the Midwest, but yeah. like episodes we just did with Michael, that's that's a really good episode. But I think we do a pretty good job even discussing what we're doing around close by. Um, when you started getting back into the hunting drive, how long was it before you took a took a deer? So we got our little cabin up there in 2014, 2015. And I started hunting in probably 2012 or so. Okay. I think the first big deer I got was 2017. Okay. So five years. And that's probably, I, I had killed one down here on Altoona, like small, mm-hmm. you know, real small. Um, probably as but, proud of it as anything you'd ever oh, taken. Yeah. Though. Oh, I mean, I wasn't trophy hunting by any means. Mm-hmm. And then 2017, I go up there, um, sit in the same spot I'd, I'd sat forever. And um, luckily, a uh, a, a red oak had fallen on another red oak and it made a little, it made a little natural stand. Cause I didn't have a stand back then. I was hunting off the ground. So I just scooted up that red oak, sat 
in the crotch where where it was leaning up against that red oak. And it was about 15 degrees that morning, and I just hear burp, burp, and I look up, and I've I've got a buddy heater up there in that tree with me, <laughs> sitting between my knees, and I've got you know a ghillie suit that's burning up on my knee, and I've got my rifle in my hand and I just see, all I see is antlers. And I'm like, God dang, that's the biggest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and it's burning my knee, but I'm like, I can't move. Like, so this thing takes a few more steps. It's hard quartering to me, but I'm like, I'm not letting me take another step. So I just shaking like crazy. bam, And the thing <laughs> runs and just, just right under that tree where I was sitting, it just dies right there. And it took me 30 minutes to stop shaking where I could climb down this thing. With, and I didn't have a safety harness or anything. I was like, I'm a rock climber. I can do this. Like, <laughs> But I was shaking so bad, I thought I was going to fall out of that tree. <laughs> and, it, and I had to drag that thing a mile back to the truck, tore all the hide off his off his neck. So the mount looks looks like crap sitting on the wall, but I'm like, I'm proud of that deer because I drugged that thing a mile out of the woods. That's an awesome story. That is an awesome yeah. story. Yeah. yeah. I would, it would have been even better if that thing would have caught you on fire afterwards and burned that ghillie suit up. There he is at the top of a red oak. I still got it. It's burned up on the insides of my knees. Man, that's that. What made you carry a, a, I mean, a buddy heater up the tree? I oh, never I even would have thought about I that. I didn't know what I was doing. I just had a big hiking backpack and I was like, it's going to be cold today. Like, I'm going to take this thing. <laughs> Lug, what made you carry a, I've never heard anybody carrying a buddy heater a mile and a half. <laughs> Shoot, no. Well, I oh. guess being at 12 degrees, most people wouldn't walk that far at 12 did degrees. Did you gut it? Um, no, I don't think I did. I think, oh God, I think I said, I think I was like, man, I don't want to get it and get it all full of leaves and stuff. And, um, thankfully my, my father-in-law had a gator and like I was telling y'all off air, you know, you can't get back in there with a truck. Right. So that, that gator cut some of my drag off of it, but pulling that thing up in the gator was the hardest thing I've ever done. So yeah, especially with the guts in it. Now, Travis, you, you primarily just hunted public ground. Like, Have you taken a deer off private? Um, I have, I have, but it's, it's mainly just archery, like at my dad's house or something. Yeah. But but you've kind of set yourself on a goal now. You're pretty much, you're wanting to hunt public ground Yeah, and and your style of doing it is very different from ours. And, and we actually, since we partnered up with cruiser saddle, you, you're into the saddle game, but you use a little different method. You kind of use the method that Chad actually started out with. If I, if I'm, if I'm correct, but use like a, a rock climbing harness is that correct, correct? yeah yeah and and what is the difference between that and just a saddle that we use well i already had all the climbing stuff from being a rock climber so i had ropes and i had a, a harness and i guess the main difference is like when i'm climbing the tree i've got a belay loop um right here in the middle which a which a saddle doesn't have a belay loop it's got a bridge so if you're going to do like the style i do which is srt single rope technique you know, you throw the rope up in the tree, and then you got an, an ascender, and you've got a, a gree-gree, or a, uh, I guess other people are using We're going to have to break this down in redneck in just a second when no, you get yeah, done. Yeah. If you gotcha. follow the, all these terms he's saying, it, yeah, yeah, but we're gonna, on those saddle Yeah, we're pages. just going to have to yeah. break it down in redneck here in just a second. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so, get, so finish that, then we'll back up. Well, I'll, I'll back <laughs> off a little bit. It's a, I, I use a rock climbing harness as my main safety, okay. not the saddle itself. Then when I get up in the tree, I've got uh, this thing called a sit drag. It's thirty dollars, and it's just a piece of fabric that that you wrap around your harness, and it just makes it more comfortable. So the harness is my my lifeline, and then the the 
sit drag is for comfort. So how wide are you talking three or four inches wide? That's all your sit sitting? drag. Uh, I mean, it's about, yeah, it's about five, five, yeah. six. So, you know, you move that thing back and forth okay. and, and you stand up and you sit down a little bit on your knees and do you use a platform? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've got the, the, the predator. So, okay. so when you, when you're climbing and you're using the SRT, yeah. you throw a rope, like you said, over a limb mm-hmm. you, and you're going up, you're not using sticks to go up that tree, correct? Um, that's, that's what I've done for five years, but this year I got, I got one stick. So okay. I'm, I'm using one stick now to get mm-hmm. up the tree, but. And you're going up a little bit. You're, you're, you're hanging your stick and I'm assuming you have an aider on the bottom of it. Five step aider. Oh, good Lord. So you're hanging that five step aider as high as you can. Wait, we skipped a step. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I do, I do a little modified cause of rock climbing, but I'll, I'll stick that, that, uh, stick maybe top of that stick as high as i can get it but i'm standing on my platform so if, if i'm standing up i'm going to put the platform at my waist level okay stand on that platform then hang that stick as high as i can get okay it. that five-step aider is probably around my chin when i come back down take the platform back off put it in my backpack and then i climb that i climb that stick and then i don't put my my tether on people are going to get mad at me for saying this but i don't put my tether on until i'm standing on top of the stick and i'm 12 foot high one move 12 yeah, foot i call the 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 no move one stick so That's, but i i'm going to come up here and and do some some practice this summer with you guys and okay so let me ask you a question because so what you're doing before that you were throwing a rope in a tree and yeah. you and when me and you discussed this the other day but basically you take and you can go to your local hardware store and they sell these throw ropes mm-hmm. and a lot of tree services for people listening to this use this to throw it comes with water 200 foot rope maybe yeah and they throw it up in the top of a tree so they don't have to climb it and they tie another rope to it well you're using that to pull a separate string up in certain places correct right now walk us through that in well, canton, the, canton terms in canton terms <laughs> so the best the best way is if you got preset ropes so you right. can buy these little nylon ropes and like you said it's a 200 foot rope but you're not going to hunt higher than 30, 40 feet, right? <laughs> Probably not that high. 15, 16 Ever. feet. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So for me, I'm, you know, I'm going to cut that thing to like 75 feet. And um, so you'll, you'll walk out when you're scouting either preseason or whatever. And I have to do it preseason. I'm, I can't, I can't do it in March and April like you're supposed to. So you go out and you find all your sign and, and you're going to set presets. And it's, it's like $5 for one of these little ropes. And you can have 20 different, trees pre-selected you know that you can go hunt that season um and and you just preset your ropes now if you're going to do it the day of going in that morning and try to throw throw a ball in a tree <laughs> it's pretty hard <laughs> and then you're going to be making all sorts of sound and the light's going to be going everywhere so that's that's not the preferred way that's why i got the one stick so now you pull that rope down though you got these rope sets and i don't know if anybody would ever try this with that listens to this but they might and then you use another rope to pull your you wait. What's the, what's it called when you walk up the? I call it walk up the rope. Is that that's the oh me- ascending the rope? That's the method you did, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you're basically that you have a an attachment that goes on a larger rope. Yeah. So you throw that little rope up there, and then you tie that rope to your big rope, um, and then you pull that big rope up over the limb, and then you tie a, a figure eight, and you you thread your your rope through that figure eight, or you can use a carabiner. And, you, and then you just pull it up. Now you're 
tied off to that that and it should be a big branch that can hold your weight like, right. don't be big <laughs> throwing branch. it over a dead limb or anything sure but yeah and then then once you're secure then you can put your ascender on there and and hook your grigri up and then use a, a pulley system like a two to one you know mechanical advantage and then you can get a a little aider that you put on your it's a kind of a, a big rig to set up. Um, and again, you can learn all this stuff on YouTube. Like there's lots of guys that, Oh, these saddle hunting forums are as, it's crazy as, as polluted. They are with, with jerks. They, what's your, all these terms you're saying, I had no idea what they meant. I've heard mm-hmm. that Grigory. I've heard, you know, ascending and, and yeah. SRT, uh, one yeah. stick. And I'm not going to do any of it, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's very, it's very efficient for the style of hunting that you do. Right. Right, and I, if I was y'all, I, sorry, you're gonna say something. No, I, but it's, he huffs. It's, no, I was gonna say something actually. So <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know what this is called, and I was wondering if you use this style. Um, back when I worked for Pike, I what little tree climbing I did, I I learned and I climbed some, and we would use one rope, and mm-hmm. it would, you know, go up and come back down, and you would have a tail off your left side, and you would tie a knot, mm-hmm. and then you could ascend just by pulling yourself up and then sliding that Prusik knot up or whatever. Right, right. Or what, whatever that's called, uh, yeah. that style. So I think you – I mean, you could go up the tree that way as well. Right. It's just one continuous loop of the rope, though, you know, and you're using the limb as a pulley, essentially. And you pull your weight up, and then you slide that knot up, and you pull your weight up, slide the knot up. So I didn't know if you ever used that style. I've seen it. I've yeah. seen it. Um, but it's like uh, in our in my method, the uh, the Grigri takes the place of the, the – uh, the Prusik knot. Okay. And that's just you. a, it's a progress capture device. Like you're okay. going to go up t- the rope two feet and you need a way to, to capture that slide. progress. Yeah. Yes. Cool. Yeah. It, it, I've seen these guys on YouTube and, and it looks like they're walking up a rope. Yeah. And, and that's the same thing you did, right? Well, they're using, they're using naders and suaders and all these crazy things they attach to their, I don't do any of that. Yeah. That looks, that looks yeah. very complicated. Yeah. I mean, they're they're basically. I've heard that, and I've never. There's basically a a rope for people listening that goes straight from the the same, uh, you know, a big limb, straight to the ground, and the guy hooks up whatever he does on his feet to the rope, correct? Mm -hmm. And he basically just walks up the rope, and that's it. It's these little devices that they put on the tops of their boots that that kind of grip onto the rope, and as it slides up, the teeth kind of pinch into the rope, and then they can stand on it. Then they just pull up the slack on their pro. Prusik or whatever. Yeah. But I, that's too much. So you found it much easier. Oh, that's too much. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, wait, wait. Now that's way too much. But you, you found it much easier for the style hunting you want to do to just yeah. do the one sticking. Yeah. And and you say too much, but I, I think it's easier to, to do this with a preset rope than to have a lock on. Oh, absolutely. To, no, no doubt about it. Where, where I'm going in the sticks. You're, just, you're talking about going because of the going in the early in the morning trying to find a place. Yeah. You're not yeah. going to be just, you're either going to wait on daylight or right. keep throwing right. all morning. Then I'd say one stick. <laughs> you can one stick on a tree you've never seen before at four in the morning. Like, be like, oh, this looks like a good spot. I just bumped the deer right here. Uh, maybe I'll just climb this tree. Okay. Now, a lot of guys one stick. That's oh, yeah. a big, big thing. Mm-hmm. Use the big bob. Um, use whatever those uh, one stick with a platform mounted yeah. on top of it with a eight step eighter on the bottom of it. You said you use five? Five, yeah. yeah. Do you rappel out? Oh, yeah. Do you? Yeah. Okay, so walk us through how you get the rope out because I'm really unsure of it. I know yeah. there's like another small rope with it, but I 
Right, right. So I, I have a little, uh, I have a little pouch that I that I keep a little small rope, you know, 40, 50 foot, and you're kind of girth hitched to the tree. Um, you take your your one side of the rope that's got your figure eight in it. You wrap it around the tree. That's like your basic tether. Um, so you're tethered to the tree, except your rope just goes to the ground, mm-hmm. 40 feet. So you just take your your small rope and tie it to the figure eight. And when you get down on the ground, after you rappel down, you take all your stuff out of the tree, lower it down. I lower it down with the big rope. I lower my backpack and my bow or my gun. I lower it down with my big rope. I, I actually never untie. Like when I pull it up in the tree, I pull it up with the big rope and it sits there and I never untie it. And then I lower it back down with the same rope. And at the end, you take that little rope and put it on the figure eight. You get down on the ground, you pull it and it, it'll slide off the tree. It'll slide all the way back out of itself, correct? So the root, yeah. the the end of that rope has a uh, a loop on it, essentially. Right. So you're you're unloosening that with the smaller rope all the way down. Right. Right. And I mean, there's a special place you got to put it to to get it to to come undone, and you there shouldn't be any branches under that, or it's right. going to get caught. It's yeah. Gonna, it's going to have a lot of friction, and it's, it's going to be hard to pull out. Have you're, you had a climb back up there before? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> about to ask. <laughs> I've got a rope still still up in the tree on top of that cliff that I was telling you really? about. That for for five years I walked past it. Oh, that's the rope I got stuck up there. <laughs> so when you when you do that five step one sticking, do you set your platform and climb on up from there, or do you just do that one time and that's that's where you're at? A lot of times uh, I'm kind of happy with the height that I'm at after the one stick and I, and I'll maybe go three or four feet more with the platform. Okay. Or if I want to hunt at 12 to 13 feet, I'll just put the stick in the platform right next to each other so I can walk around the tree. Okay. And you have, you can get more. So you're using a separate stick from your platform. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's what he's saying because he's starting his platform off. Yeah, no, I, yeah. And I, I'm just, why are you thinking about going to a platform stick combo? No. And why? I mean, I'm just curious because there's a lot of guys that do. Yeah. They run a one stick with a platform yeah. on top. I've thought about that, but then I'm like, then I got to move it. I got to move the stick. But I'm moving the platform, but I'm on the ground when I'm doing it. Yeah. So. I don't know. It's an evolving saddle hunting is like you can. What's cool is you can make it your own. Yeah, there's no right or wrong and way. I like to I like to tinker with stuff, and I like to just. You like gadgets. I mean, if it's, there's a new saddle hunting toy, I'm looking at it. But it sounds I, like he likes a challenge more than he likes a gadget. Do you you kind of hit the nail on the head right there? <laughs> now so, you're not using. And I may be wrong, but can you use Amsteel for rappelling and stuff, or is it it's a it's a coarser, thicker rope than like Amsteel is, right? I'm not I'm not real familiar with the only Amsteel I have is on my one stick. Okay, and it's it's what goes around the tree right. and then wraps around it's it's got this little cool attachment you're system. using a trucker's hitch with a um i'll show you it after the podcast but it's got it it's got a little square and it's got like four teeth and you go around at one time and then you do a little figure eight and then you're done so it's yeah. kind of like what, yeah, uh, I know what matt about. matt uses he's got a his has not got teeth. His is it pulls around and loops around. I was just curious how heavy seventy. Well, you probably have to have what? How how much? How many feet of rope do you take of your actual like climbing rappelling rope? I've got different different yeah. length ropes, but usually I'm only taking like a twenty five foot rope if I'm if I'm not planning on yeah hunting that high because I can get twenty five foot with that rope because you only got to you don't have to have it double the length of the height 
that you're hunting. You, it only has to be however high you want right. to go. Um, I'm only limited because the my my bag is tied to the end of it. Right. So when I get to the top, it's going to be dragging me down. Yeah. Um, so you know that you know that small. I don't know the diameter of it, but the rope that we have with the cruiser saddles for the lineman and the and the tether, eight millimeter, eight millimeter. So that's what you get it in rolls. It already comes yeah, pre-cut. Yeah, yeah, no. But you can so Hunter runs that too, but he puts all of it in his one dump pouch because essentially that's your tether too. Mm-hmm. So he just leaves it all tucked in there, and then when he gets ready to Rip down, he just throws it all out on the ground and then goes mm-hmm. down. Yeah. So that's how that's how he does it. Yeah, and my method could be totally wrong. I'm always looking for what other people are doing because you want to you want to get up the tree as fast as you can and get set up. And now I've added filming to it, so I just try to make it hard on myself. <laughs> now, when you were at the bow shoot, did you try? A saddle out, a cruiser yeah. The, the cruiser felt yeah. awesome. Yeah, like I'm, I'm gonna buy a, a legit saddle this summer, but it's I got to figure out how I'm gonna get up the tree SRC style because that climbing with that uh that bridge is gonna feel weird because I'm used to it being attached to like to your to your stomach right here. Mm-hmm. That thing's gonna be like two feet above your stomach, and you're you're gonna be trying to jimmy up the the rope and you're gonna be hitting that bridge so i haven't figured that part out yet chad needs to invent challenge a, chad needs to make a you don't need that a, something yeah. with you a belay loop you don't need that belay yeah. with the way the guys climb so i've watched the videos of the one stickers and the way that they climb up because they're uh, the, now this is the method that i've seen yeah and the guys use this i'm not saying this is the only way to do it but they will do the exact same thing that you did with one stick. Mm-hmm. They'll hang the stick as high as they can. They lineman, yep. put their lineman around. Right. They climb to the platform. They reach as high as they can with their uh, tether. Mm-hmm. They hang their tether. They hook in on their tether. Still got their lineman. They pull all their slack up. Then they take all their weight off of the platform. They reach down, get the platform, take it loose, the stick, go as high as they can again. Generally, like you said, you're at, 12 feet with one move, I don't know that I've seen anybody get quite that high, but I've seen guys at 8 feet. They make one more move, and they're at 12, 13 mm-hmm. feet. They make one more small move, they're at hunting height. You know, they're making two, three moves where you're sometimes only making one. Now, there's a thousand different methods out there to do it, but they're hooking in and putting all their weight on that tether, right. moving their stick then is how they're doing it. So, And it's to me, it looks very cumbersome it takes practice and mm-hmm. i'm sure it's taking you years to master that just like it is us but you said filming what is your filming setup and and why what do you you know what's your what's your rig you know it was a cell phone and a and a gopro that's what i filmed that one last year on altoona with and then i was like for years i've been wanting a real good camera and you've got a good one nick yeah but I went with the uh, a hybrid with the Sony A7 IV uh, mirrorless camera with like a like a 22 to 240 millimeter. So you can you can oh, yeah. zoom in That's to exactly. about about 100 yards or so and and, and see some deer. But I, what I found out is it's dang hard to sell film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is, especially with a mirrorless. Yeah, Cody knows that all mm-hmm. too well. Yeah, one one handed operation is not really built into no. it. He also just bought the fourth era because I was actually the one that saw his before I bought that one the other day. That fourth era saddle arm. Yeah, the satellite. Yeah, and 
I, uh, you know, I, I want everything as light as possible because I'm trying to hike up that huge cliff. Yeah. Um, I ended up buying one the other day. Yeah. I saw yours. It's so, nice. Yeah. Um, I haven't got to try it out in the woods yet, but it is nice. And, and talking about self-filming, you had a deer that you had out on, um, that you put a YouTube video out last year that you self-filmed. You took the boat in there to it, and you, you could actually pretty much see – I think you could see the boat from the video, correct? I could. Yeah. Yep. Um, but you also – earlier this year, you we well, you got to talk about hunting stands, whatever, and your partner or your neighbor wanted to use – a stand <laughs> and um I, I took one of my old apis and let you borrow it but i think i was in illinois and i get a text message from you and it took me a few days probably a week or so to write you back but you said i don't think my my uh, neighbor likes my style of hunting and i'll let you take over from here <laughs> man it's it's been the talk we, we hang out every other day and he, he's got to say something <laughs> about it but, and he's a big guy, right? Football player? Did yeah, so he played safety. His name is Seth, and um, he played safety at Arkansas. Uh, raz- he was a Razorback. Okay. And, man, in my mind, I'm like, Ooh, big. <laughs> ain't that what they say? I've been doing this for years. I'm like, this guy's a D1 athlete. Man, this will be no problem for this guy. <laughs> like, and, like, he's he's a big workout guy, like, super way more in shape than me. And I'm like, he'll have no problem with this, even with this, this big heavy stand that gave me. <laughs> So I'm like, all right, Seth, the night before I'm kind of gearing him up for the hunt. And I'm like, I'm like, all right, man, we're going to go up here. We're going to do a hike, a short hike down this real steep mountainside. And then we're going to paddle up the river a mile with our stands and stuff. And then we're going to get out and we're going to hike another, you know, 400 or so yards to our spot. And he's like, wait, what water? Like, <laughs> what yeah. paddleboard? What are you talking about? And I'm like, man, this is where all the sign is. Like, this is where I've seen him in the past. Like, and it's like two miles away from the parking lot, and these other hunters are going to push these deer to us if we if we get out in front of them. And I was like, "There's a cold front coming. Let's go!" And man, I, I don't think we even got out of the truck. And he's like, "Man, I don't know about this." <laughs> <laughs> so we get down to the water, and I'm like, I'm "Like, uh, you sure those shoes are going to do all right? They look like tennis shoes." <laughs> <laughs> we get down there and he's up to his knees in mud and oh no oh, oh my goodness that's how it started oh okay. and man i built in probably an hour cushion to get to the stand in time and we get down there finally get get on the paddle boards and of course we're getting water on the paddle boards our butts are getting wet it's 20 20 degrees but man it's a beautiful full moon <laughs> I'm like, I sent you the picture. Yeah, it's yeah. such a beautiful full moon. I'm like, man, this is cool, isn't it? I look back. He's like a hundred yards behind me, still at the put in. <laughs> like, and he and I, I didn't say anything. I just kind of let him let him get the field. And I was like, I was like, yep, probably not gonna make it to the stand on time. <laughs> and he's like, well, how fast should we be going? And I started, I started paddling like normal speed. And he's like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> so, but he. I get it. I, I I threw him into the deep end, and I told him, man, I apologize like 20 <laughs> times. But Did y'all make it to the stand? We made it, and right at shooting light, he's still climbing in that old climber. I sent you that video, too. Yeah. And he goes, oh, shit, there's a deer. <laughs> I'm like, well, he doesn't have his gun. I'm going to pick mine up. And I was on the ground watching him, making sure he didn't fall. And and I just, we just sit there for about five, ten minutes. I could hear it hear it back there and moving but i never could see it it was too it was too thick a lot of sim count in that area so 
A lot of what? Stem, heavy stem count. Okay. Like good cover with no leaves. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was an Write adventure. Stem count. <laughs> stem count. So, so you got, you guys didn't take a deer that day? No, we didn't. Okay. So, you, so you go back out and if you'd have called me and said, man, we knocked that stand off in the bottom of the lake, I'd have been fine. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can imagine that was hard. And, and talking about, I mean, you, you didn't push him off in the deep end. You, you push him off the edge of the ocean. So I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, you imagine Nick Peter took you down there and not told you. I'd have sat right there on that bank with a rifle. <laughs> I'll be here when you get back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, paddleboard would have been out of question the first thing. Deer stand would have been fine. Paddleboard would have been out of the question. I wouldn't do that now. I probably wouldn't get on a paddleboard to chase a gobbler. Easy. <laughs> I'd just swim across. Just butt naked. But, but to, for 20 degrees, man, what? I mean, what a story. I mean, to go across that. And Has that, he asked to go back? Well, I, I promised him an easier hunt next he time. He needs a so. box stand and a food plot. <laughs> yes. And a buddy here. I think that's what he was thinking. Yeah, Which, I don't blame him. <laughs> you made, you know, mention that he's very into working out and athletic. And, and I don't know that people realize just how strenuous hunting the way that you're hunting or mobile hunting in general can be. You know, we talk a lot about the way we move and moving this stand and walking here and going there. And it's a game of ounces when mm-hmm. it comes to our gear. I mean, we're literally, I mean, I don't, you, you got to look back, what, three, four years ago, Cody and I were going to Illinois and my bag probably weighed close to 50 Four, yeah, pounds. 45 pounds. I mean, Gosh. with my, you know, sticks, lock on, you know, bag, I thought I had to have my bag alone weighed six, seven pounds, you know, when it was empty. Yeah. So, now we start playing this game of mobile hunting, and it's an ever-evolving game. We're all getting better at it. We've started saddle hunting this year, first time ever for for any of us to saddle hunt. We were big lock-on hunters. Started, you know, last year getting a little bit lighter weight with our stand gears and stuff like that. But I would say we're over half oh, of yeah. the weight that we used mm-hmm. to carry into the woods. You're talking about that API. You're talking 22, 23 pounds. A, a general summit, I mean – 16, 17 pounds, pounds yeah. you know, for, for a lightweight Viper or even 16 pounds for one of the open shots. People don't realize the muscles you're using. You may be gym strong, mm-hmm. but you ain't hunting strong. I mean, and it's a whole different game when you're putting yourself in a position, you're changing terrain. You're talking about paddling on a paddleboard and not getting into that story. Cause I'd be out of breath before we got outside of the ramp, but you use a lot of different muscles and then you get into the climbing aspect that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I I could almost bet money that there's no way that I could pull myself up that rope the way that you're talking about. You could, doing. you could. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna learn. I guess a new trick. <laughs> <laughs> now, now that wasn't the first time that you had paddleboard, correct? No, no. So no. You, you have you taken a deer hunting off of that or going in accessing? I have. Okay. I have. Walk us <laughs> walk us through the packing out of that. Well, it was <laughs> it was a trip. Um, so. This particular day, it was a late day, and got in there at 9 o'clock, but it was November 15th, so I'm like, I'm still going to go because they're going to be moving all day. Um, I shot this deer at noon, and it was a pretty decent you know, six-pointer, chocolate horns, pretty heavy, um, good deer for, you know, our local WMA, and so I I dragged this deer, and it's real steep cliffside. I, I dropped this deer 10 feet off the cliff <laughs> next to the paddleboard, you know, not on purpose. And 
Then it's a chore to try to get it on top of the paddleboard <laughs> and then launch it into the water. And then I'm like, well, where am I going to sit? So you can't really stand because it's real wobbly. You're like reaching the weight limit of the paddleboard because it's like 300 pounds or so. Um, so I'm like, okay, I guess I could just sit on top of the deer. And then my, my backpack is kind of behind the deer. So that's what I did. I just sat on top of the deer and I, you know, I'd alternate between, uh, cause it, have you ever rode a horse? Yeah. No. I ain't never, yeah, but I ain't never rode a deer. Right? <laughs> but you're like sitting, and then you got to go on you're your knees, sitting and, and you're like, man, my, I'm not used to my legs being spread out this wide, like in, on a kayak. And then you're like, where do I put my feet? And, and you're wobbling the whole time. But how far was the paddle back to the truck? It wasn't far. Okay. It, it was maybe, maybe half mile. <laughs> That's pretty far. <laughs> pretty far. I love I love Travis's idea. Oh, it's not far, mile, mile and a half. So I, I can just imagine if, if one of us were to go to deer turkey hunting with him and he's like, It's not far. Yes. I'll be the judge of that. That's why I'll go turkey hunting with you, not deer hunting, because I know where that turkey's at. Yeah. I'll tell you if we're going there or not. Yeah. Well, that part of the fun is the workout for me because <laughs> Well, that's yeah. good. I'm glad, glad to hear that. I'm glad, yeah. I'm, now, I, did anybody – I imagine there wasn't too many people on the lake that day just because it being winter, but oh, this did is anybody see it? Too. <laughs> yeah. So I get to the processor, uh, you know, Sandy off of yeah, old yeah. Teasley, right in front of mm-hmm. old Teasley. So I get to the processor, and this guy comes up. He's like – did I just see you paddling across the lake <laughs> sitting on a deer? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I didn't even see anybody out there. Like, oh, that is awesome. Funny as crap. So uh gosh, you, you went back in the, you went back in the, was this before the boat kill? Oh yeah. This is this is like around this is the year after 2017 when I killed that first one. Okay. And I went back and I started hunting our local WMAs after that. I was like, I was hooked. And and this is before I had kids, so I could I could hunt a lot more. Mm-hmm. So now now you're now you take a boat in there on this on this YouTube video, and you and you drag this deer out, and it was it was good footage and everything. And, and how was how was the boat cleanup after putting that deer on there? I wasn't even thinking about the boat cleanup. <laughs> I was so happy to get that deer. Um, and I you know I knew we, there there wasn't giants around there, but I've I've since found out there are pretty close by. Um, but I wasn't expecting anything big. And, you know, that day four deer in a row came across the same road. Mm-hmm. And the drag out was maybe 10 yards from where the deer landed to the boat. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I wasn't thinking about that cleanup at all. I was just happy to get one. Do you ever worry about anybody messing with your boat? Well, you ever I could about see that? it. I oh, could okay, see okay. it then. And then the, the other times I've I've taken the boat back to where I did shoot that one on the paddleboard and – um, you can you can see it from where you're sitting, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the goal is to to you know troll the motor down so you're coming in quiet, and you want to pull the boat up kind of close to where you want to sit, and hope the wind is right. And um, you know I don't want to be trouncing through the woods and making noise and stuff. So, have you considered um, if you're going to continue to keep using the paddleboard, whether it be local or somewhere else? Have you considered buying the pack out bags? To put oh yeah, in? yeah. Oh yeah! Instead of instead of straddling that deer again, yeah, it, it, that's a good point. And and I saw some. I think I saw it on the hunting public. The the pack out I was like, man, that looks like a smart idea. Yeah, <laughs> I know they buy they. I see it on Steve Rennell a lot of times on meat eater. They they buy those white bags mm-hmm. and they, they cinch at the top. Yeah. yeah, you can get them at you can get them at Dick's. Okay, yeah, Dick sells them. I mean, that's got to be 
I used to get like especially, cheesecloth, ain't it? Especially by the time you debone it. The, you, the nicer right. ones are like cheesecloth. These are basically just like uh, cloth game bags. It's just to keep from dirt and trash Leaves. and try to yeah. keep the microorganisms down. But. Yeah. I think I would keep that at the truck, and then, you know, if I got one, I'd take all my hunting stuff out and then take the the, ba- the empty bag back in because— Oh, you're talking about like an actual pack-out backpack, not just a— Yeah, like like an elk hunting backpack mm-hmm. or something like that. But You know, and we've talked about that. We've, we've thought that it would be a good idea and this, that, and the other, and I know a long way back in there, I mean, it's definitely going to be less strenuous. You need a hunting partner. I do. I do. <laughs> that is, yeah, that's what you need. You need a, you need a hunting partner. Is that, strong, he's got a hunting partner young. if he won't take him on a way paddleboard <laughs> to go hunt. That 17 year old boy right there will go with you anywhere you want to go. Why won't you get out of your comfort zone, Nick? And get on a paddleboard? Yeah. No, I'm not getting on a paddleboard. Why not a kayak? I, I, I don't I know. Got, I just, I got a kayak for you. That he said the me. Big Johnson or whatever it was. <laughs> the, uh, the Jimmy's the Big Johnson. Did you get on? What was uh, that one called? The big kayak, oh, the, bi- the big rig, the big rig, Johnson's big rig, Jackson's Jackson big, rig. big rig. Have you considered um, doing much out of state public hunting? I really want to. Yeah. Um, What's holding you back, kids? Family? Kids and and I I spent way too much time in the stand and you know taking time away from our wife and and the kids and you know work because yeah. I'm a I'm a CPA so like right now for, until the end of April we're gonna be super busy right but like if i could go to alabama for this late rut hunt i would go this weekend right but hang loose you (laughs) you got you got you got aspirations that that are very admirable you've got a you've got a drive about you You can tell anything you do you're very driven and you're you're gonna be very successful and I, I would be more than happy to volunteer to any one of us to help you in any way possible to help you achieve any of those goals because I I'm, I can tell you're very passionate about what you do, and uh, it's pretty neat to see. I'll say that. I remember you back when you was playing football. I remember watching <laughs> you from the stands. I mean, when I was – because you were – how old are you now? Uh, 30 – 37. 37, about to turn 38. What year did you – you were 0-3. So, yep. see, I, we were 0-5, so it was yeah. – we were, you know, watching you play football and stuff, it's pretty neat to see, you know, after all these years, seeing you kind of achieve goals that you've set for for yourself. So, congratulations on that, man. Yeah, That's very, thank you. very neat. What do you want to see – what do you want to chase next, animal-wise? Animal right now, I just need a deer. I need I need meat for the freezer, so. No, I mean, I mean what's the next game that you would like to chase? Oh, like Elk. that uh, yeah. something I haven't I yeah, haven't yeah. got to. Well, I need to kill a turkey. I've been hunting turkey for seven years and never gotten one. So I've been. Close. I'd say go with Nick or Cody, but I've been close a lot of times. Took Nick how many years to get Clayton on one? I, take I still didn't get him on one. <laughs> but I'm not a good. Uh, not for me. I'm not a good. <laughs> uh, I would love to go with you though. And uh, paddleboard. It'd be no. fun. We'll walk around, walk around the coast. Wait, that's pretty good. Did you do that with just your mouth? Yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah, Nick that's comes and you shut up all the time. <laughs> I got a turkey caller. You'll hear it. Well, I've uh, I've enjoyed this episode, Tra- Travis. I appreciate you coming over here. Yeah, I appreciate y'all having me. I, yeah. I know when you said he was coming, I was like, really? I was like, yeah. that's pretty cool. Well, when you first, you know, I think you came to the bow shoot. Yeah, that's that the first awesome. time I'd seen you since school. I mean, right. and I remember, like I said, remember you from high school. I'm like. 
I I think I called Nick and I'm like, you remember Travis Dawkins? He's like, yeah. I was like, he's coming to the bow shoot. He's like, yeah, he hunts. I was like, really? I was like, I had no idea. Oh, I, mean, I spent three years trying to get Nick to play football. I, I stayed in the woods. Yeah. Had, oh yeah. We had we had weight training together. He he'd come in late and the coach would go, if you don't get here on time, don't get here at all. <laughs> Who was we it, Damron? Go. Probably Damron. Sugar <laughs> for him again. We don't start till you done. get here. <laughs> we don't wait till you get here. Oh, that's great. Weight training. That's where those calves came from. Does it feel like we've been on here for an hour and 15 minutes? It doesn't, but uh, it's definitely going to feel like it in the morning when we got to get up and go to work. So um, if you, you want. You must be talking to me. Huh? <laughs> wow. Double jab. I was. I was. Um, Travis, thanks for coming and being with us. I don't. Don't think this is going to be the last time that you're here with us um it's it's definitely going to be something that we're going to have to bring back and do again with you it's uh it's been a pleasure I, like i said it's it's very cool to see somebody that wants to do a little bit more every time they go out in the woods because we've talked about it time and time again we get complacent i mean you get to doing the same thing over and over and over again i can sit here for another hour and hear these stories from them I mean, it's, it's neat to hear that <laughs> yeah. kind of stuff so and you got a little bit more comfortable on this this episode. Yeah, it, it's nerve wracking being on here with you guys. <laughs> I, I don't know why. <laughs> we just like to jab and cut up with each other. But um, make sure make sure you come back and be with us again. Thank you for having me. Awesome, Nick. Anything else? Nope. I'm good, brother. Well, I've got to get ready to go coyote hunting. You do got to get ready to go coyote hunting. I'll be this, on the back this side. This episode will be after that. That's right. We'll be doing an episode on that. I hope. Well, you got fifty. You remember we had that bet. Oh yeah, you got fifty to make up. Don't I know? No, I'm not balking. I'm not balking. That's fifty in the season. Uh, No, no. not one trip. I said fifty in Illinois. It was for the No, it wasn't one trip. It was for the Midwest. Okay, it was fifty for the Midwest. Yeah, yeah. I did. I said it, and I was planning on going more, but. I'll see what I can do this weekend. I killed 50 this weekend. Can't nobody tell me nothing. Already you ain't going to kill 50 this weekend. I don't think so either. If we do, I'll, you, if y'all you better take some one. more bullets if you, if and we, put energy if, drinks. If we kill 50 this weekend, I'm going to – the only person I'm going to call and rub it into is me. Is Mayo. Mayo. Oh. For not going oh. with me. You rub it into him all you want. I'm he gone. probably won't answer, so you ain't got to worry about it. <laughs> I'll leave him a voicemail. Uh, y'all come back and be with us again when you can. Um, we've got a lot of exciting things coming up very soon. Um, be looking for new stuff to be coming out. We should have the knives launched from Scritchfield Knives. They should be here by then, and we should have them in hand for the KT team stuff. Uh, if you got any questions about anything that we've been talking about, if you want to see somebody come on that hasn't been on, or if you want to see somebody that's been here before come back and, and speak on anything, make sure you come and Coming, send us a message or whatever. Head over to the website and check it out, www.talkaboutitoutdoors.com. It is up and running. Get you some apparel. Thanks for the support. We appreciate you. Pull up a chair and set a while next time. <laughs> we'll see y'all soon. Remember, smile as you go, but don't forget, mouth the memories. Building the foundation of your life starts at the base, and the stronger it is, the better. Talk About It Outdoors is proud of our strong partnership with United Concrete and Paving and the foundation of support they provide. Whether your new home being built needs concrete work or that driveway you're tired of beating all the bearings from your pickup needs a paving, 
Michael and his team can provide any residential or commercial project sports you might need from the ground up. If you're tired of tripping over that unsettled patio slab or a future shop build needs a smooth start, United Concrete and Paving can get you going when you need it most. Give them a call at 404-831-3036 and make sure you tell them them TAI boys are where you heard it first. A few years back, when an overbearing and overgrown backyard became an eyesore, I looked for a solution to resolve. LRS Land Services created a stunning and complete transformation turnkey at an affordable price with their mulching services. Not limited to mulching, LRS can provide turnkey grading and clearing, maintenance, right-of-way clearing, and even development for any and all forestry needs. With an innovative outlook on what is best for your land and a completely different approach than others, LRS can transform your overgrown eyesore into a beautiful landscape of your dreams. Give them a call at 404-889-1105 or check their work out on Facebook at LRS Land Services. Logan and his team are ready to make your land brand new again. Are you in need of a decluttering barn or garage slap full of stuff you just don't need? Or is your construction site needing a dumpster? Give our buddy Tony at Georgia Junk and Dumpster Rental a call. With services ranging from junk removal to roll-offs, Georgia Junk is here to help with any and all removal needs. If it's time to get that parking spot back or the boat needs a place inside, Tony and his team can surely assist. Servicing Cherokee, Cobb, Bartow, and surrounding counties, give them a call at 404-406-3501 or check them out on Facebook at Georgia Junk. Clean up the yard in short order with Georgia Jones. 